0: Welcome to episode number four of the Jack Vegans Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a very, 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 very controversial topic. Um, and that is artificial sweeteners. We love artificial sweeteners and people think they, they're they the worst thing that's ever happened on Earth and, human, and to humans. A lot of people think that. So we're going to talk a little bit about them. Um, and we have obviously my man Josh over here. Jack Vegans he's the head coach head exercise scientist uh, at uh, at the academy, and we're going to talk a little bit about sweeteners, man. So, Josh, what's your take on artificial sweeteners?
1: Well, first off, I'm afraid to talk about these topics again. Remember, (laughs) between sugar and artificial sweeteners, I got called Luciferian by one of... (laughs) <laughs> oh, and that was embarrassing for me, <laughs> just because I was like, "Yeah, sugar is okay to consume in moderation, whatever." And I was trying to give some benefits of it, and this lady was like, "You're funded by the Bill Gates Foundation. You're Luciferian. You know, not a lot of data to support that claim." But guys, that is not true. If you're listening to this, Julie and I are not sponsored by any any of these listen we are way too small for these big di- for diet coke to sponsor us to talk about aspartame <laughs> so yeah anyway i wanted to preface that so that people listening could understand that there's no bias here and there's no reason for us to be biased if you can't find if if artificial sweeteners are bad for you then so be it that's awesome you know we would advocate for that but our our goal is to come up with the truth and to help our clients and guide them into all truth does that make sense
0: yeah, hundred percent. We're not we're not profiting or benefiting or gaining anything from from saying what we see in studies from artificial sweeteners. we just telling people, hey, these people did this research and these are the conclusions. So this is what you can do or you cannot do based on the studies. That's what we're doing. So you can take it as you want. We're just putting out the information. You you can, can scru- create your own opinion if you want to. Um, you should definitely. So the, yeah,
1: it's just so interesting the scrutiny that we get from from random people. I appreciate it. And I want for people to challenge our beliefs and to come up with, you know, objective uh, premises as to why they say stuff. But listen, I have not as an egotistical perspective, but just so people can see, I presented about artificial sweeteners in front of um, a, a group of people that all had their PhDs that were criticizing my work as I was giving a presentation on why artificial sweeteners may or may not be appropriate for humans to consume so like random people that are just like will just say they're bad or things that they probably don't likely know a lot about the topic it just has little to no effect so if you have an opinion on it bring it to you know my dms on instagram or comment one of julian's things but actually have some data behind it and i would love to get into that with you guys
0: yeah 100 percent. we're here for the truth and that's our main goal so josh let's talk about artificial sweeteners. Um, What's your, what are your thoughts on artificial sweeteners? Uh,
1: I think that they are, and I don't think this, I know this. They are one of the most well-researched dietary substances on the market. And as of right now, there is little to no link between artificial sweeteners and any negative effects. I can't say any, because there might be some correlation, um, between artificial sweeteners And obesity but artificial sweeteners isn't the root of the problem there the issue is a lot of people that are consuming artificial sweeteners with diet coke or different food products also don't care about their calorie intake and they don't care about the rest of their diet and they're not really taking care of the diet hierarchy of calories and protein and being active and things of that nature instead they're just kind of they'll order a diet Coke with their McDonald's and expect for the results to be there. And so obviously it's not going to be, if that's the case. And so the the stance and the official stance that myself, you and the Jacked Vegans Academy is that artificial sweeteners don't have much effect on metabolism and they don't have a noticeable effect on gut microbiome, contrary to popular belief. Now, if you were to first start consuming, artificial sweeteners as a new product, there's going to be some shift in your gut microbiome because anything new that you consume is going to result in new bacteria, new amylases digesting and breaking down those chemical properties that you weren't used to consuming in advance, but it's not going to have a negative impact on chronic health.
0: Yes. and, And I think it's important to say this, and we say it in every episode, we're not saying that your diet should be based on artificial sweeteners. We advocate for eating healthy food, eating whole foods mostly, eating you know proper amount of calories, proper amount of crack, macros. And if you like sweet stuff and you wanna stay within calories, you can totally have diet soda. It has no calories. Like Josh said, people that are overweight usually don't have the best eating habits. So the artificial sweeteners are not causing them to gain more weight. It's everything else that they do, aside from consuming the artificial sweeteners, like the McDonald's example you just said. Um, so what's the deal with Aspartame, man? Everyone seems to hate it and seems everyone claims to be like the worst thing that's ever happened on Earth. I love it personally, but I don't know.
1: Dude, it's just a lot. Yeah, me too. (laughs) But it's just a lot of, I think, I think misunderstanding of what aspartame is and what happens. The main concern, which most people that are against aspartame don't even realize this, but the main concern is there is some methanol and aspartame and methanol is converted into formaldehyde in the body, right? And formaldehyde is a very, toxic chemical and can cause a lot of negative responses towards not just human tissue but other things that it interacts with. But the issue is our body our body naturally synthesizes formaldehyde at a thousand times greater capacity than what you consume from the methanol, which is the derivative of formaldehyde in um and aspartame. And so not only that, but when you drink vegetable and tomato juice, you're also consuming six times more methanol than a can of diet soda. And so you're get, you're getting all these other products that have the quote unquote concerned chemical in aspartame and it, it's it's not it's having very little or no effect on the metabolism and the physiology of your body, but people will just see that chemical ingredient and say, oh, no, there's got to be a link between that and cancer. And that's just not the case.
0: Yeah, literally, tomato juice has more.
1: And let me elaborate. Not just tomato juice has more. That, that's true. But there's one study done on a, a bunch of rats where it seemed like there was a correlation between high aspartame dosages and cancer. And so uh, let me just quote this study for you. It says, the treated animals showed extensive evidence of malignant cancers, including lymphomas, leukemias, and tumors at multiple organ sites in both males and females. And that seems really scary at first, right? That blanket statement, and that's what people take out of context. And they don't really look at the parameters of what the study were, what the limitations were, what the delimitations were that were going on. But the issue is the dosages were 5,000, 2500 500 and 100 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. That is so much. So you'd be more likely to die from liquid intoxication or hyponatremia because of the dilution of sodium in blood than you would from the cancer that you would receive from the aspartame. And most rats died around 159 weeks after the uh, beginning of the study which is three years and that's longer than the life expectancy of a rat in the wild. And so the rats did develop things over time, but who knows if it was because they were just older rats that were living past their time. Um, this study, first off, wasn't able to be replicated in a lot of other labs. The conclusions were never the same. In fact, they were all in favor of aspartame having no effect on the rats. And there's a lot of speculation as to whether, um, there were two different rat groups being used here. There's a lot of speculation as to whether some the, the rat that were be given were being given the aspartame had really poor living circumstances. They were older rats in general. They were a little bit malnourished, whereas it, it was like the study was trying to prove a point. The rats that didn't have any of these negative effects without consuming aspartame were younger rats in general, healthier, better living conditions. And so that's why this study, even though it was done in 2006, wasn't ever, ever able to be replicated because people had to match these conditions that they weren't willing ethically to match.
0: Yeah, and I think this, this groups a very important point that the fact that a study comes out with a conclusion doesn't mean that that's the truth. Um, you got to actually scrutinize the study and read it and understand it and understand everything that happened and draw conclusions of whether it was a valid study that, you know, was done properly or not.
1: Right. And there has to be a plethora of studies, not just one case study or not one anecdotal evidence. And so even, even the FDA, which approved aspartame in, in like 1980 or something, I think it was first approved in 80 or 81, and then it was approved for all purposes in the mid-90s. I don't remember exactly when. But uh, even the FDA has an acceptable daily intake of 50 milligrams per kilogram per day. And so that's like 21 cans of diet soda for a 160-pound individual. So let's say you were to consume two or three cans a day. You are only at 10% of your total daily intake that, that the FDA is approved of you to consume. And so that's why it's like, so such a fabrication for people to be like, this affects you here and here and here and here, when those individuals most likely have never done a comprehensive study of with a comprehensive non-bias objective study and said, they're just plagiarizing something they've heard another professional say.
0: And uh, I don't have the exact numbers but I believe that even the 21 cans is a an amount that is very safe it's like 10 times lower it's, than yes, than it's, the safest amount something like that I don't remember the exact words it's <laughs> I don't I don't
1: remember what the exact numbers are either but it's like it's like 300 times less than what you could actually consume before there are noticeable effects but it's not the acceptable daily intake is something that you're gonna consume and you're not even on the nearest brink or verge or even close to where you would be causing the hyponatremia that we talked about earlier.
0: Yeah, and I, I wanna give out an example so that people can understand the, why we also advocate for people to use this. Let's say you have a, a 300 pound individual who has a lot of health conditions because of being overweight, and that individual is very used to having lots of soda, having lots of things that are high in sugar, and the person loves sweet, sweet things, right? And this individual, the the main benefit that this individual could get from dieting is weight loss because when that person loses weight, he he or she goes from 300 pounds to 200 pounds, there's gonna be a myriad of health effects, positive health effects that that person's gonna get. So let's say that we grab that person and we replaced soda with diet soda. We replace other sweet things that the person is eating on a daily basis with things that have artificial sweeteners and have no calories. And the person achieves... A fifty-pound weight loss just from replacing those things, and that person's still eating the things that they're used to eating, but they lose fifty pounds. Do you think this person is going to be healthier with fifty pounds less or hundred pounds less? Just putting that question out there. What do you think, you, 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 pe- person, the people listening?
1: Yeah, no, and I can totally validate that point. And you know what? I want to, I want to take a second to rebuke all of you holier than thou people who. Who criticize every aspect of an individual diet who might be obese, somebody's diet who might be obese? Listen, obesity, and Julia and I have experienced this over and over and over again, is almost like a disease psychologically. You cannot fix every aspect of somebody who's struggling really hard with their diet criticize everything so you would have to address what are the main concerns there well high hypertension is a concern high blood pressure is a concern which is the same thing making sure that their lipid levels are okay is a really big concern you know they're gonna have really bad pain in their their joints because they've been carrying heavy weight for a long time they're gonna have uh, a poor heart rate because Their heart isn't beating efficiently. There's a lot of predominant concerns with obesity, none of which really have anything to do with their gut microbiome. And so people are like, oh no, you're drinking a diet soda. Well, you have no idea that that person is maybe on a huge weight loss journey. They're already 50 pounds down. They're doing a good job just monitoring their calories. They're seeing extensive physiological benefits that are contributing towards their chronic health. And they get to enjoy a diet soda every once in a while. So what? What? You can't fix every, even if there was something very small wrong with the diet soda, which there isn't. Uh, but even if there was, they are taking care of vastly more important steps than whether or not their gut microbiome is a little bit messed with, which really doesn't have anything to do with converting energy into metabolism.
0: Couldn't have said it better, man. Um, I think that that proves the point, and uh. Yeah. I mean, diet soda is, is a very useful tool. It's, it's good. You can have it every once in a while. You can satisfy a craving. It's very useful during dieting phases. It helps with, uh, it helps you blunt hunger. It helps you feel good. I've used it a lot during dieting phases. Our clients use it a lot. We tell people to use it. If they want to use it, you'll be fine. And the health effects you're going to get from dropping weight are going to be way, way higher than whatever, thing you think could happen with diet soda, which was that nothing really happens.
1: Right, and there's there is an optimal way to diet and train. Okay, let's be real. If you're wanting to get down to all of the semantics of exactly what your training should look like, exactly what your diet should look like, we could have you consuming macronutrient at exact times, having an exact calorie amount every day, making sure that your training lines up precisely with what your volume landmarks are. Different aspects that you know, the details are so finite and tuned that People can't do that unless you're – have already been training for a long time and you're really dedicated towards doing a show. Then aside from that, you can't just have a general population person do every dietary detail that could be entailed if they want to completely optimize their training. So what's going to be most optimal for them – isn't necessarily the most optimal, if that makes sense, because we want people to stick with adherence. We want them to hit their fitness goals. We want them to slowly over time break bad habits so that they can train and diet most effectively. And of course, there's going to be small things here and there that they could be doing better, but over time they will get to that point.
0: Yes. Yes. I agree with you. And uh, I think that that's a topic for next episode. And we can name in the nutritional priorities and we can talk about, (laughs) you know, the things people need to address if they want to get healthier, if they want to improve their body composition. Um, Dude, I think we've covered a lot of what we wanted to cover. Anything else you want to say?
1: No, I'm excited for people to get on this journey. Listen, if you, if you think we are totally wrong about this, then send myself or Julian a, a DM and we'll bring you on the podcast. And depending on, or, or if you know somebody that is like really a big advocate for this, then, then come on board.
0: Yes, but if you call Solicitor Farrell, we're not going to bring you on the podcast. <laughs> bring some bad arguments, start please. your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, start your on podcast. We, we don't want you here at all.
1: <laughs> I don't want to say that we're not going to accept anybody. I, you have to be – you don't necessarily have to have credentials, but really bring some valid points and concerns, and we'll address those. We'll have a, a kind discourse about what your
0: concerns are. That's going to be fun. Heck yeah. Awesome. All right. People Well, thank you all for listening again. If you want to work with us to achieve your fitness goal goals, there's a link in the description. You can click on that and, and book a free consultation call. We'll get on the phone with you. We'll see if and how we can help you out. And if we can, we'll let you know about next steps. And if we can't, we'll also let you know and, you know, we'll try to point you in the right direction. That is it for this episode. Thank you for being here, my man, always shedding so much uh, light on information, on the topics. I really, really appreciate you. Um, yeah, that's it for now. Thank you Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me, bro. Later.
1: Bye.